Hello and welcome to Yes Yes News today, April 24th, 1913. 13-year-old girl found dead and bloodied in the basement of the National Pencil Company where she was employed. Unnamed lunatic attacks three men with a knife and is gunned down by a brave marshal. And finally, after an eight-month search, Bobby Dunbar is welcomed home with a parade in his hometown in Louisiana. Or is he? That was the news as it was this week in 1913, April the 24th, which means this can only be yesteryear's news today. I'm Johnny. And I'm Shane. How are you? I'm good. It's it's always weird when you ask that or I ask you that. Just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been here for like two hours. It feels like already. a good way to like just... It's yeah, a really good easy. way, but yeah, I guess like we should, rec- we should record straight away just so as we can have our natural sort of like, oh, I haven't seen you in a week. I don't know, instead but, we were just talking for ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, we really should set up the mics. Yeah, we already <laughs> talked about how much we like Daredevil and stuff. Like, we can't... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I haven't finished it yet, you have. Yeah. I, I was really disappointed that it turned out to be a dream, but... Yeah. <laughs> John, this is really funny, just before we get into any big stories. This happened sometime in 1913, although I've seen... Someday it's in 1914, mostly it says 1913. I don't know when it happens, so not this week, but that's why I'm using it at the start. Oh, yeah. We've talked about the Romanov family in Russia quite a bit, and we talked about Anastasia a bit. Oh, in yeah, the, yeah. In the hoax episode, Historic Hoaxes. Um, this is a really cool photo I just want to show you, because I reckon this is the first mirror selfie ever taken. That's <laughs> why this is Anastasia Romanov. If if you didn't know what this was, you would just think it was taken this year and put on Instagram, and it was just it was only black and white because it's an Instagram filter. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a modern looking mirror it selfie. It's brilliant. Except she's her clothes on. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she kind of looks like she would just be the, a young goth kid. Yeah, she does. Uh, that just be her style. That's such a weird picture. I think there's somebody else sitting there, and they've moved too much. Yeah, it looks like a goal. I'm, I was going to explain this one to you, but I'm not even going to. This is also just from 1913. I have no yeah. idea the date. But, yeah, I'm not even going to. I'll just show you this one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I couldn't find an explanation for that. Oh, really? <laughs> no, none at all. It's just an image. Yeah, only that <laughs> they reached 1913. And they were like... We can fly white can horses. <laughs> like, explain it to, to the listeners yeah, what you're looking at. <laughs> this is a very, very large balloon. And a the only thing, instead of like what you would think of as a basket at the end of a hot air balloon, is a man on a horse <laughs> just strapped to it. Looking pretty happy, even though he's tiny in the photo. Yeah. This is just mad looking. Because the balloon even looks like a balloon you see at a party. The way it's like tied at the end and everything. <clears throat> <laughs> like it could be faked like uh, yeah. it's definitely from the time but it could be just some some weird illusion from the time it could be uh yeah they cut negatives mm. we had to pause for a while there um yeah no but that, like they, they don't really relate to this week but i think that's a good setup to just a bit build the world that we're in now 1913 yeah. and so different people, it people is. strap horses to balloons <laughs> and the selfie was invented yeah. But I think, yeah, let's call it but that. 1913. Thir- princess. <laughs> 1913, the year the selfie was invented. Well, actually, one of the first photographs ever was a selfie. That's a fair point, actually. Yeah. You have a couple of bits for 1913, then? I do. Do you want to go first? I've got a long... Well, I've got two. I've got two... Um... I, have, I have one 
long-ish story. It's I've not got, short. But I've got season three of True Detective and season four of True Detective. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, I'm kind of... Well, one yeah. of them, I think, is True Detective already, but... Oh, right, okay. I have not True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, I don't want... I, I don't want to big mine up too much. Either, <laughs> so. Do you want to do one and then I'll do one and then you do the second one? That's it, yeah. Okay. That's I'll start idea. with the lesser one, so... This is the trial of Leo Frank. So this is possibly season four, to be Yeah, this is the one I think. Although it probably has more to do, like. Well, we. Yeah, I, I don't want to give away stuff first. This, I guess, this is more uh, early twentieth century law and order. But this is um. What happened this week was on April twenty sixth. This girl Mary Fagan, who is uh, she was born in eighteen nineteen, so she was either thirteen or fourteen. I don't know her actual yeah. date of birth. But she was found dead, uh, murdered, and possibly sexually assaulted in the basement of a pencil factory wow. in Atlanta, Georgia. And she was like very like brutal, brutal murder. Yeah, shortly after her. Well, actually, sorry, set up this pencil factory. This was uh, run by a guy called Leo Frank, Leo Max Frank. He was a Jewish guy. That's not that. Oh, that's important to the story. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And he he was the superintendent of this factory or the the national pencil company was what it was called. He worked for them, and he was like you know smart smart guy. Came from a good family, studied in all these you know famous one the Pratt Institute. I think that's like a oh, yeah. is that I don't think that's a college. I think that's is that like a prep school. I'll cut that. He yeah, went to the right. he went to the Pratt Institute yeah. and yeah. Cornell University, and he he was a mechanical and studied mechanical engineering there. And just pretty much after leaving college, his uncle invited him down to Atlanta to be interviewed for, for a position with the National Pencil Company. And he started doing like an internship. He was sent to Bolivia to <laughs> learn about the manufacturing of pencils. Oh, yeah. Which I was just amazed that you have to, he'd done like nine months intern. <laughs> I, I never, but then. You want to know the pencil business? Kid, you need to go to Bolivia. I was reading that and laughing at it, and that sounds ridiculous to me. But then I was thinking like, oh, yeah, actually. How do you make a pencil? (laughs) (laughs) That probably is a really difficult thing to do. And there probably is like a lot to take into account. I don't know. They seem difficult. But anyway, so and surely, yeah, he came back. And in like 1908, he started working in the factory and superintendent, head of engineering, whatever. But yeah, and obviously he plays a a big part because around this time, uh, like a lot of girls and like women and children would work in the factory and weren't oh, yeah. slaves or anything but a lot of the, the light lifting it was just cheaper to get women and kids to do it oh right okay <laughs> just because like why you know like the simple jobs and they'd get like five dollars a week or whatever yeah and mary fagan was one of them um and she'd just started working there she'd only done like a day's work so she you know was only owed the hefty sum of two dollars and one day she came and she collected it directly from Leo Frank. And he gave it to her and she left and that was it. But it was also the last time anybody would ever see her alive. Because the, the next day, or later, well, yeah, true. Excuse me. Uh, like 3 a.m. the next day, this guy called Newt Lee, who was uh, an African-American. Again, yeah. that's important for the story. Yeah. Um, he was going down to the basement to to use the bathroom because that's where the uh, the black person's bathroom was. Of course, because yeah, it's yeah. segregated. Um, and he yeah, found nineteen thirteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he found the body 
just by an elevator shaft. Oh no! And the like, like I said, it's like it was apparently it was like she was covered in blood and sawdust, like yeah. really beat up. There was like an electric cord around her neck, possibly signs of sexual assault. And his instant reaction was like, "I'm going to be blamed for this just because yeah. I'm the one that." Because I'm the black guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he found her. Yeah. But he reported anyway. And of course he was arrested shortly after his. He of was course. right. Yeah, yeah. He was clearly a smart man who just knew how these things work. But there was also, and I'm, I'm skipping a bit ahead, but there was also suspicion on another black guy called Jim Connolly. And he was a janitor. And yeah. he, he was seen that night washing blood off of his clothes oh okay. so there's some suspicion come came from him and he's asked a few questions we'll get back to him but when he was asked questions originally he he didn't really have much to say but he pointed them towards leo frank ah. so then the police come to interview leo frank the superintendent and not owner but you know he, he was running yeah. the show and he just seemed very nervous apparently when they interviewed him and that was really it, but the police at the time, there was like loads of pressure on them, because I think they'd gone like a year and a half in Atlanta without solving a single murder case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the media, this is going to be a recurring thing in this story, and in the next story, just the media were the ones that were just not blown out of proportion, because the kid's murdered, it's very serious, yeah, but yeah. they were the ones that were, it was the police's fault. <laughs> that, oh, like they really pushed it. Yeah, yeah. So the police were just under pressure to find somebody, and Leo Frank seemed like a better success story, I guess, of, of like police capture, like you know, capturing some like be more high profile. Yeah, yeah. So well, at least that's what it seems like. So they just nabbed Leo Frank for, for it. Um, and actually, sorry to go back as well. Like one of the big, the Newt Lee, the guy that found the body. He yeah. did mention that that night Leo Frank had called a bunch of times to check how things were going down at the factory, okay. and that was just odd because he never done it before. Because why would yeah. he care? Why would he care what's going on at night while yeah, yeah. the janitor is there? Like, yeah. Um, so and so like there, so and, was there? Did work go on overnight? I well maybe not night, maybe just evening when he had okay. left the office. I I'd say they probably worked until seven, and he probably left at four or something. Yeah, yeah, okay, That's yeah. a complete guess on my part, but but there was also other things as well. Like uh, Frank w was known to um, have indiscretions with the the young girls working in the factory, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. and apparently earlier that day they they like had interviewed a woman who ran no Bronstein the right word a boarding house oh yeah and leo had tried to arrange a room for him and a woman earlier oh, okay, that yeah. day so even that doesn't really point to like he, he could have been sleeping around like that doesn't really yeah. <laughs> no, but no. they they obviously put all this stuff together and assumed like they, they it somehow related to fagan mary fagan and so yeah arrested them anyway there was also this guy, Hugh Dorsey, or Dorsey, sorry, Hugh Dorsey. He was uh, just a prosecutor, and he pretty much used the case to further his career, like, yeah. to climb up the political ladder. He actually became governor shortly after the case, so yeah, clearly worked. Man. So he just started instantly 
building a case against Leo Frank and it's going to be this huge story. Yeah. And what actually, I guess what kind of helped him was, um, no, I'll actually I'll get to that because that, that uh, ruined some of the mystery if I go into some stuff. But anyway, so yeah, he, he, he was uh, building the case against Frank and that's pretty important. But here's the weird thing. Now this is, this sounds really messed up. This is a two, there was two notes found at the crime scene. Yeah. And also there was some human ex- excrement. That's weird. Yeah. It's two notes. Two notes. Yeah, I'm going to read them for you and see okay. if you can make sense out of these. <clears throat> he said he would love me. Lay down, play like the night witch. Did it, but that long, tall, black negro did by himself. That was the first note. Okay. And now the second note was... Ma'am, that Negro fire down here did this. I went to make water and he pushed me down a hole. A long, a tall Negro black did it. I write while play with me. <laughs> They're incredibly strange notes, yeah? It's, it's the implication that she scribbled paper while she was being raped and That's murdered. That's exactly what I thought when I read it. But... No, it, like, it seems like it was. It's meant to be a witness, I guess, that saw what happened. Okay. And they're saying, like they're saying, it was the Negro. Is them saying that it was Newt, the guy that discovered the body? I think yeah. I like. It, it's so hard to make out. It seems so weird. Like so, the, a cop wrote these then, yeah. <laughs> That's that where you're going. Not quite. Um, but they are like they sound like it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Me. When it you, sounds like a ghost writing. When I, she was killed. The first time I read it, when I told really it, it was it was something she might have wrote. That's where it's just like that's really creepy that she yeah. could have wrote these. But I don't like that was. I, yeah, no, that's not the case. Um, the, de- the detectives took these notes and like asked around and eventually learned that um, Colin uh, Connolly, the the janitor, could write. Oh, okay, and found out that he had wrote these and that's yeah. why they're they're written in that weird slang yeah but he claimed he he wrote them under leo frank's dictation oh uh, okay and that yeah it was the, to point the police towards somebody else that they were yeah. meant to be anonymous letters um and so the grand jury wanted to charge jim Connolly because they're like okay you've seen washing blood out of his shirt then he's, he's claiming somebody wrote a note in his handwriting. Well, no, he's claiming he, he wrote it. Yeah, well, he was he was somebody else dictated them to him. But also, he the the I mentioned the, the human the poop yep. that was found down there. He said that was him too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so he claims Leo Frank done it. That he he was down there using the bathroom doing whatever, and he heard a scream, and he went and Leo Frank had gone into some trouble with this girl and hit her too hard the, the sort of typical story you'd expect but he, he changes it quite a bit it varies on where he was when he heard it yeah. and all this but anyway it still sounds like he probably done it and the grand yeah. jury want to go ahead and charge him but the prosecutor the prosecutor they want to charge Connolly yeah, yeah, yeah but the prosecutor is still pushing for Leo Frank of course because it's, it's higher profile it's, yeah it's a much better case for him like and that's it yeah. But what actually, it works. And he doesn't need to do much for it. 
the sort of consensus with the grand jury and just the public in general is that if Hugh Dorsey, the prosecutor, yeah. trusts this Connolly guy, despite the fact that he's black, oh, means okay. he must have loads of evidence against Leo Frank. Because oh, nobody okay. would trust the word of a black man. That was essentially the, the reasoning they went by, which is insane. It's crazy. So there's all sorts of racism. <laughs> so they're kind of going, it's like, oh, there must be a reason he's believing him. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it works on and, and July 28th, 1913 then, the trial begins. And there's loads of witness testimony. Almost all of it has like giant gaping holes in it. Of course. <laughs> you couldn't even go into it. And there, like, there's loads of stuff like, they, like the hair found throughout the building. And like I think there was some found in his office is proven not to be Mary Fagan's. Uh, they didn't right. have DNA well, tests. They matched the colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, like, there was stuff like the blood, blood that was found at the scene, turned out to be paint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no DNA, but you can tell the difference. In close investigation, uh, investigation, you can tell what's blood and what's paint. Yeah, yeah. Do you um, remember that, that that came up in uh, the story I did of the, the brothers going off into the... Woods, oh, yeah. Or yeah. Oh, story? yeah. And they found... Uh, they happened to find a money bag... With stains of paint on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they thought it was yeah. blood stains on it outside somebody's shed. It had nothing good. to do with the case at all whatsoever. Yeah, and then we had, like, on the Tohita tragedy back in, like, way back, episode three or four. Yeah. The Australian, remember the, the girl who was meant to have murdered her sister? Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I listened some... to that recently, actually. That's actually, that was a really cool story. Yeah, it's a great story. Um, I didn't confuse of her blood, but the same thing, it was just, you did miss, miss, duck her own hair for the dead body that was found and stuff yeah and yeah yeah because at that for time her sister's hair yeah yeah, yeah. like at the time like how, how can you tell yeah. two sisters hair if they're the same color but in this one it, it was definitely pretty easy to tell it was paint <laughs> yeah but and also um like loads of witnesses recanted their testimony like the especially the ones who talked about him like frequenting ladies of the night and stuff like oh. that because there was a lot of stuff about him being a sexual deviant yeah and that like he, essentially that was what the case was built on that he, he liked sleeping around and stuff but also this Connolly guy um although it's not Connolly it's not Connolly like the Irish it's C-O-N-E-L-Y but anyway oh, Canadian, Can, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah his uh his girlfriend comes forward and she talks about how he's not a nice guy. <laughs> oh, okay. closed doors, and he has his own sexual problems, and like there might have been a, an assault prior. Oh, and okay. Stuff. And even then, they're skipping ahead again, but much later, like after the trial, I think it was even probably during the appeals. It's too late to do anything about it. But the lawyer of Connolly or Keneally, yeah, he even said that or he he spoke to a judge, and he said that at one point. Connolly admitted to the murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was never used yeah. in court. So anyway, so Fr Frank's found guilty, and he gets the death. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, yeah, so I just dropped that like it was on, yeah. But, well, it seems like, can he, like, it seems like there's so much against him. Yeah. Um. So he's found guilty, and he gets the death penalty, but there's, what's it, stay of execution? Yes, yeah. he's going to appeal it, like, and they, they go for the appeals. And this new judge comes on, 
and this is really good like talk about like you know being stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because like there was so much just venom against the Jewish community oh, during okay. it. I think during the trial, like there was people just hoping, people just in the courtroom just shouting like "Hang the Jew" and stuff. Wow. Yeah, like it sounded horrible, and so, and apparently, like while the trial was going on, like Jewish people in Atlanta were getting like, awful time just for being Jewish, and like this Jew had murdered this oh, yeah, yeah. innocent so, white girl, like yeah. Um, so like the entire story centers around racism from the time, but yeah, so this new judge comes on to look after the appeals and he pretty much can't see how Leo Frank done it. Yeah. But also like he's already been found guilty. People are already revved up. Yeah. He can't reopen the trial, can't acquit him. Like, so he, he, he's just kind of trapped by it, like. Yeah, yeah, he commuted the sentence to just a life in prison without the death penalty and put him in a maximum security prison yeah. for his own safety. So, like, try his best. And he's reported to have, like, spoken to his wife and just, like, it being a really hard decision because he even knew that, like, by doing this, he was probably opening the doors to, like, Jewish people on the outside of prison to okay, actually yeah. be suffer further discrimination yeah yeah because there was so much racial tensions that like which is weird like yeah like because it sounds like he really felt that leo frank probably didn't do it but it was better he saw it i suppose yeah better better just kind of let it all just go away yeah because people killed the man yeah Yeah. but like when it was kind of because like people were so riled up like the the whites let's say it was only white people (laughs) yeah um the whites were so riled up that if he let him out of prison like, they'd yeah. probably kill him anyway yeah and pro- um, not just that but they'd probably kill other just Jewish people like, yeah, yeah. it was probably better let this one man suffer kind of thing that's <laughs> funny you say that because Leo Frank was moved to a maximum security prison yeah. didn't help him because his throat was slit oh, lovely. while he was there he survived though ah. but yeah. while he was recovering a group of 25 men <laughs> broke into the hospital, put him into a car, drove him back to the hometown where Mary Fagan was from, and lynched him. Jesus. Yeah. And it was a long drive as well. All the way while driving there, beating him and trying to get him to confess to the murder. And he still, wow. he still didn't. That's crazy. Yeah. And they called themselves... The Knights of Mary Fagan. Of course they did. And it opened the doors for the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan. No way. Yeah. <laughs> They're all essentially it was members of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so just a bunch of racist white people being just the racist ass. white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In nineteen eighty two this guy Alonzo Mann, who was just who who would have been like a twelve year old child when this happened. When yeah. he was he and he used to work in the factory. He actually came forward and had said he had seen Connolly bring the body to the basement and Connolly had tried to kill him if he said anything. Oh, no way. Yeah, and it seems like he was, it, it wasn't a fabrication that he was probably telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. So in 1986, Frank was actually pardoned by the state of Georgia. 
Wow. Not exonerated. No, exonerated is when you, you know, you were in the wrong. He wasn't exonerated. He was pardoned, and that yeah. is pretty much to allow people. You're you're now allowed to reinvestigate or whatever. If we yeah, wanted yeah. to take up the case now, we could yeah, try and yeah. get him exonerated. Oh yeah, but he was pardoned. Now. <laughs> Almost. The pardon is had he had he been pardoned while he was still in jail, he'd have been let go. Basically. Yeah, yeah, but he'd have still been a guilty. On legally, he'd have been found. Yeah, he'd still yeah. be found. And exoneration acknowledges that you were you wrongfully yeah, yeah. convicted but yeah it's like just taken from the hospital essentially and lynched like crazy. yeah i probably didn't do it and i was entirely based on racism that's mental what horrible people like. but like it's i get hey like the media would pressure like because that happens today that the media would press the cops to go for the higher profile yeah, murder yeah. but then it escalated that far like yeah that's crazy that would be a good season four, too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's close, like it's yeah. yeah. You could go like a, a mine's a bullet point fact. Well, uh, anyway, <laughs> you probably have a better story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, there's no racism in this one, but there is a lunatic. Ah, oh, that's what I like. Yeah. I'll give you the headline. Now, I I've broken it down into bullet points and stuff for myself, but I'll give you the headline from the story that first caught me onto this. Yeah. Yeah. Which was unknown killed after wounding two in battle. Mayfield scene of desperate encounter with insane man who terrorizes the town. City trustee, trustee and, and brewer near death. Dead man slain by marshal. Maybe Ed Delaney escaped lunatic. I was going to ask you to repeat that, but boy, there's so much there that I think I have. I have to just hear the article like that's. So, so that was so in the article that was the. So just read, read the, you know the way they do they did like four oh, yeah, headlines yeah. in all the old papers but just read the, the very first line again was unknown killed after wounding two in battle okay so this started off it was April 23rd in Mayfield and there was it started about 10.45 uh, in the evening there was two boys who were just hanging out near the Southern Pacific de- uh, Depot right and uh, this man just came up to them as a stranger and he's just like started being really weird at them and like telling them that he was going to kill every man in the city and was just like really aggressive with them and he's like and I'm going to start with the two of you kind of attitude so they obviously just ran away and he chased them and stayed chasing after them for the article described as for a considerable distance so they ran 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 trying to get away from this guy eventually they got clear of him they came to a a city marshal Albert J. Bradshaw so Good old Marshal Bradshaw, he decides, okay, there's a lunatic on the loose. I need to get some good trusted people. So he trusts his friend, uh, Anton Anderson, a city, a city trustee, and he, another guy, uh, Everett C. Uh, Cleveshell, who's a brewer. And he gets, goes like, he's like, what, there's a lunatic up here, so we're threatened <laughs> to kill kids. And men, will you come with me and find him in case you're like, we've got to take him in, I need the manpower kind of thing. I'm thinking they aren't trustworthy. <laughs> um no no not at all um a brewer and what was the other one a, a, trust, a city trustee <laughs> to me this is one of the weirdest things in the story but it, it's just like the the marshal is just like hey you two you want to come with me find a lunatic yeah, yeah. it's kind of like okay but kind of like isn't that you can just because it's a sheriff's department you can just deputize somebody yeah just by I, throwing them a badge. i imagine it's more like they're people he knew as like they say they're regulars on his route of where he's walking yeah and then he knows them really well that they're they're good strong guys sturdy young men like but it's kind of like running into the shop going oh you give us a hand at this fella you know that's something 
I can only imagine they were probably sitting in the pub. Yeah. And he like went in and grabbed them out of the pub. But it's weird, like that's what you do when you're like, Oh, I need somebody to come and push my car. Oh, and yeah. start. No, when you're organizing a manhunt after the Joker. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so after a little while anyway, they, they come across this guy straight away. He just jumps on jumps on uh, Anton Anderson, the city trustee. And just starts stabbing him with a knife, with a dagger, straight away. Oh, sure. Just jumps on him. So Anderson's like, ends up going down to the ground, and he's described as being uh, laying prostrate, so kind of like on all fours. Yeah. While the stranger's just like stabbing him in the back, going mad at him. So then Cleve, uh, Cleveshell, the brewer, obviously jumps in to try and grab the guy, wrestle him away from Anderson, and he ends up getting stabbed. Anderson was stabbed in the back and sides. And then uh, Cleveshell uh, gets very badly wounded. He ends up getting his knife in the chest and then, like, in his limbs. So Bradshaw, obviously, is, like, goes after him. Then he gets a knife in the chest. How did he get all three people? That's right. insane. But then Bradshaw manages to get out his gun, shoots this guy in the legs three times, but he keeps coming. Right. Wow. He just doesn't stop. He's just, like, continuing to stab him. So Bradshaw shoots him a further time in the heart, keeps ah. coming, shoots him in the stomach, and that seems to kind of finish him off, and he it dies. Want to. <laughs> but it's like, the shot in the heart didn't get him, as, like, by the time the wound was like, he had to shoot him in the stomach again to like, kind of push him back, like, you know. That sounds like a story you would hear now, where it was like some lunatic who was on bat salts or something, in, in Florida, yeah. who just like, dropped loads of acid, and was just pumped up. Yeah, yeah, but like 1913, yeah. come from an opium den, maybe that wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. So this is like so they eventually, uh, obviously, a man died very quickly of his bullet in the heart, but it took a bullet in the heart to stop him. Uh, so the chief police, uh, Chester F. Noble, I love, I love the names of these stories. Yeah. Up here. Chester uh, Noble, that's good. Yeah, really of, good. of Paolo Alto, he drives over in his automobile. And uh, grabs the three guys and brings them to uh, the Peninsula Hospital with uh, Cleve Shaw and Anderson are in critical condition. Though, luckily, Marshal Bradshaw, the stab wound missed his heart and wasn't actually that deep. Because your man kind of sort of slashed and stabbed at him. Yeah. So he's he's in hospital. He's got wounds on his arms and hands from like defensive wounds. Yeah. Um, but he's not in critical condition. He's just banged up, needs a few stitches. But the other guys are like... They're near death. Like yeah. So the dead man who attacked them, they've no idea who he is. They can't yeah. find out who this guy is. Like, examining his body and Not stuff. Not in his pockets, but knives and men. Sorry. It's pretty much <laughs> the description. <laughs> um, all they found is he was cause it's described as a well-dressed man. Right? He was The dead man who attacked them remained a mystery. He was described as being about 35 years old, of medium height and weight, light complexion <laughs> green hair <laughs> and was well dressed he had like no documents on him nothing all they found was a notebook on him and i'm just gonna <laughs> uh, all that was in the notebook was the address for a pharmacy in portland oregon and that was it in like really really illegible handwriting it took them ages to figure out what the address wow, like that's what it was really odd and so they, they thought maybe he came from Portland, yeah. and that's all that like that's all that was written in the notebook. Nothing else, no name on it, nothing. 
so weird. So strange. So yeah, all that was in his pockets was knives and lips. <laughs> did um did they like tr- call the pharmacy and just be like, have you ever seen a man? Yeah, this? and it, it led them to nothing. But that his description described was very similar to that of an escaped lunatic. Uh, somebody who a man who named Edward Delaney who'd recently escaped from uh, Agnews the Agnews Center in California, which is kind of famous. Yeah, I think I've even heard that. Yeah, a famous men- mental illness treatment yeah, center yeah, yeah. now to this day. I looked it up, um, and in 1913, it was at, like, kind of its best in terms of, like, the building work and stuff that had to rebuild it after an earthquake in 1906. And, um, and to this day, now it's still there, and it looks pretty much the same as it did in 1913, apparently. So, another road trip. Um, <laughs> We're never going to be able to afford all these. No, no. <laughs> we'll just stick to the Eiffel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the man Edward Delaney. We can probably get to the Flannan Isles, though. Like that's, I think we can get to yeah. the Flannan Isles. Hair color, age, medium height, medium weight, was a description of Edward Delaney, and he'd escaped a short while before uh, this attack. So they thought must be that escaped lunatic. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit about Edward Delaney. Uh, now that was everything that was in that story. So then I started looking up. I want to find out more about Edward Delaney. Of course. Um. Edward Delaney uh, had shot and killed a man named Riley Bale about a year earlier. And uh, in his own like testimony and stuff in court, and that's why he went to a mental health or a mental illness uh, institute, or as they called it back then, a lunatic asylum. <laughs> the crazy bit. Cuckoo's uh, Nest. The yeah. Whatever. Sorry. I think. Uh, was it Sin Bin? No. <laughs> it's a different kind. He came across Riley uh, Riley Bale one day who was wearing a fraternity bit, uh, fraternity pin on his clothes and basically felt that he'd been uh, was it he'd been hounded by people wearing fraternity pins. Oh. So he shot him. I mean So it's kinda like he was kind of like, jocks were never very nice to me. So yeah, so he killed uh, this young fella named Riley Bailey, or Riley Bale uh, because he was wearing a fraternity pin and that was the only reason he could give for killing him. That's had probably... never met him before, had never specifically done it wrong to him. It probably, like, from what I could figure out, it wasn't even the same pin of the people who... Yeah, it was just like, he recognised it as, as a fraternity, fraternity pin. Yeah. And That's, that took him out. Proper serial killer behaviour. Yeah. Uh, as in, like, movie serial killer that you see and you think, really? That's very unrealistic. That he just sees somebody with a pin and he sees red yeah. and kills them. So, in my investigation into <laughs> Edward Delaney, I found another article about this attack of the fellow with the knives and yeah. lint in his pockets. Right? Remember Chester F. Noble? Yeah. The police chief who brought the guys to the hospital? Yeah. He got smart and thought, okay, this seems to be... Wait, so this is a season of True Detective. <laughs> so he the cops thought, coming back into it. Yeah, so he was like, okay, this guy could very likely be Edward Delaney, but being a good cop, he thought, well, if it isn't him, then Edward Delaney is still out there. <laughs> Escaped. Yeah. So what he did was he tracked down the police officers that Edward Delaney was known to right. and got them to come up and identify the body. And they said... That's not Edward Delaney. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, it was officially declared that Edward Delaney was still on the run, and they had no idea who this lunatic was 
with the knives. So again, like that, the only evidence was this pocketbook with one address in it. Wow. They investigated more with the pharmacy. Interviewed the pharmacist. Uh, showed him a picture of the guy's face. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no idea who he was. So then all they could do is just release a description, a full description <laughs> of the guy, hoping somebody could help them identify it. Obviously, never identified him. Yeah. At that, that like, yeah, you just know he could. Yeah, he was obviously never found at that. <laughs> and that's not so. From, from what I could find and I'm search, researching, that's as much as I could find out. But, and I don't know if they ever found Edward Delaney either. I spent ages looking to see that it was he ever found or discovered and stuff. But from what I did read on Edward Delaney it was probably most likely he like jumped in the sea or something and killed yeah. himself but I think if, he, if he's literally stabbing people because they were wearing a frat badge like there's just but he, he shot a guy when this guy was a stabber so oh sorry yeah oh yeah yeah but either way if he was doing that he, he probably cro- like if he was that unstable he probably crossed the wrong person at some point and just got yeah. himself killed and yeah they probably just or just ended up as a drifter or something yeah, like yeah. who knows because that's really mysterious what just what the uh, the address meant like why did he have why was that the only piece of information he had on him just one address of a pharmacy did that pharmacist have his pills that's <laughs> and he didn't get them in time <laughs> like how did this guy take on three people with a knife and then it took five bullets to take him yeah, out like three like, in the legs one in the heart one in the stomach before he went that's down that's crazy like... joker power yeah or or Bad salt. <laughs> Bad salt's quite possible. Or was the story just made up? <laughs> Did they just shoot this guy and then yeah. go like, oh, okay. uh, he came out as with, uh, yeah, like the fucking, the three guys like stabbed each other afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But no, because then they won't be in critical condition. But they've all like, or they were really stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's possible too. No, I imagine that sounds like, that's so crazy. It just has yeah, to yeah. be real. Well, it's good that all our stories this week are really uplifting, happy ones. Oh, it would be yesterday's news if it wasn't <laughs> murderous news. Well, there's no murder in the second one. Oh. This next one. Well, there might be. Well, no, there's not. Um, this is the one you said would be good season three of two. Uh, yeah, but I think... And there's no murder? Yeah, well... You have my attention, Mr. Daly. Well, uh, <laughs> I think this would be a much more earnest true detective. In that there's actually... No detectives would actually play a pivotal role. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But there'd be people, there'd be uh, amateur, there'd be people playing detective, you know, normal uh, people. Yeah. No, I guess it's more like, <laughs> it's not, it's only, it'd only be like true detective because it's how my idea, how I envision it as a mini series. Okay. It's yeah, formatted yeah. very like true detective. Um, now I'll get to what actually happened this week in this story, but I'm going to start a bit before that. So like, okay, this is the, the, the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar. That's what this this incident is. So the preface is Bobby Dunbar was a four year old child, the eldest son of Leslie and Percy Dunbar, and the family lived in Louisiana, which is also the setting of True Detective. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> um, do you know what that actually occurred to me now? I just remember. Oh, you didn't. That <laughs> no, that never even occurred to me. But it made it work better. Uh, and yeah, and they had a like a big enough family that five kids in total. And in August 1912, so last year, uh, the Dunbars went on a fishing trip in Swazi Lake near St. Laundry Parish in, in Louisiana as well. And on August 23rd, while on the trip, Bobby Dunbar vanished. Oh. 
there was a huge, huge search for him. Yeah. Lasted for eight months. Four year old boy. Yeah. Four year old boy went missing on a fishing trip. Before I get to the story, I'm going to read you something from a newspaper, a respected newspaper from the New York Times. Kidnapped, boy murdered. Child killed by captors when they could not conceal him. December 14th, so a long while into Hollywood, missing. Four year old Robert Dunbar kidnapped from his home, which is just wrong. He wasn't yeah. kidnapped from his home. Uh, a few days ago, which we're December 14th, wasn't a few days ago, has been murdered by his captors, according to statements attributed to one of the three suspects held in connection with the case. <laughs> so they'd found three suspects at this point. Yeah. And one of them had said Bobby was murdered. All bullshit. None of that happened. Yeah. Boy wasn't found for another four months. <laughs> I just wanted to mention, I found that while wow. researching it. That was the New York Times just made up an article. There was no suspects. Nobody was arrested. There was no... Ch- In that article, we can put up a link for it. They go on to interviewing the boy's father. Oh, yeah, but they didn't. He never, was never interviewed by them. Wow. That's how much we, we should not trust newspapers. We we were saying this the other day, like so yeah. much of the stories I was explaining this to someone telling them, Oh, you should listen to our podcast. I yeah. was explaining to them how loads of the newspaper newspaper articles you read, like they're they're not signed by any journalist and that yeah, yeah. so many of them could be made up and so that's what kinda of makes them really interesting as yeah, well. So yeah. you don't know where they works of fiction and that's what because i always get skeptical when i see like to the or dispatched or something it's like yeah it's just been wired down that like only came in five minutes ago yeah like between the space we've been written you can hear somebody going stop the presses yeah yeah like there's been no verification yeah but then that's kind of the case like you know that thing in america you only need like what you only need one so you don't need to verify a source in the american press you just need one source so you can call into a newspaper and say oh i saw johnny doing heroin (laughs) or whatever like and they're like oh well we have it from a source yeah and then that's it that can well apparently back then they could actually make up the fact that they've interviewed people (laughs) it's incredible and i was going to go into the whole because it's a really just knowing what like having the fact that i know what does happen in the case reading this because i read that story yeah that was the last thing i found out about the story so i was like that's ridiculous that they printed this and i was going to read the whole thing but it kind of just occurred to me while reading actually this might actually confuse people read because you know the information from that article but just you get enough from that that they had said he was killed had suspects and interviewed the father but no and that was from december so he was only missing a few months at that point wasn't for a few months until he was found it wasn't until this month this year that he was actually found so and this is so th- that brings us to april 1913 and you know very in dates leading up to this week but we'll get to that so authorities located this guy william cantwell walters and he was just this uh, a handyman uh, like an itinerant traveling handyman yeah just like you know he's specialized in just repairing in- musical instruments and tuning pianos and <laughs> <laughs> and like, he, you know, he had, he traveled on a car, and he had this like, am I giving away something here? No, he had this like home built uh, harp. Okay. He's the, which is a nice image of this guy traveling on a car with his homemade, yeah, yeah, this homemade harp. Um, and yes, yeah, so we just like used to travel around like, what this region like down south, just doing odd jobs for people. And yeah, so he was found with this child that fit the description of Bobby Dunbar. 
So swiftly arrested uh, uh, and the boy taken to, to Louisiana. Um, he's actually found in Mississippi. That's important. He, he was going through Mississippi. And I think that's where he was. That's sort of where he operated. He was just traveling Mississippi doing this. Yeah. And that's where he, he was found in Mississippi with the boy. Sorry. And then the boy matching the description were brought back to Louisiana. So, and this is, comes back to the, to the papers again. Yeah. A lot of contradictory reports to how, what happened next. And you can read some of these articles. Some of them say when the boy was brought back to his family, he wept and cried, Mama, Mama, oh, and yeah. ran up to her and hugged her. Other papers report that neither the mother or the boy recognized each other. She was like, that's not my son. He's like, why are you showing me this lady? <laughs> well, she, it wasn't that she was like, she, what, he's not my son. She was just like, I think he is. Uh, been eight months. Yeah. And he's only four, I guess maybe kids change a lot in eight months, I don't know. But but definitely quite different than Mama, Mama and this whole happy reunion. But no, it does seem like the the truth was that they didn't think it was their son at first. They just weren't sure. Like, he kind of looks like him. He definitely fits the description, but we're not sure. Apparently it wasn't until she checked out. They brought him home to stay with them to and and they like because they had they had five kids yeah and brought him in with the other children just to see how they reacted did they recognize him nobody seemed to and then the yeah. mother that night um Leslie was just bathing Bobby and she when she was washing him she recognized like some a few like you know a scar on the leg and you know he had yeah. a, a burnt marks and stuff yeah. and that was when she decided that oh yeah this is Bobby I can understand him being. Him being unsure at that Definitely. age, he's been, been away that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's probably five at this point. If he's gone, yeah, eight, yeah. if he was four when he went missing, he's gone eight months. Chances yeah. are he was five. He was eight months old. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but anyway, so this brings us to this week. She accepted this must be him, and so they brought him back to Louisiana, and there was this huge. Uh, I said like a parade for him. Back. Okay. Actually, like the the town they're from in Louisiana, worth mention is Opelousas, which Opelousas, very it's a strange yeah. enough name, but um, because that'll come back into it. So yeah, she, they brought him back and had this huge celebration. That's all well and good, but then enter this new woman, Julia Anderson, comes to Mississippi. Yeah. To claim the child is her own, uh, and not. And not Bobby Dunbar. She claims his name is Bruce Anderson. And she allowed this Walters guy to take him for a few days just on a trip. Yeah. But that was 13 months ago. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Walters has just been traveling around with him. Just to go back, she was a farm, this Julie Anderson, she was a farmhand. Yeah. On... And I, I don't know how Walters relates to them, but Walters was a relative of the family. I think he might have just been okay. a son, actually, of the people that owned the farm. Oh, yeah. So, okay. there, and it'd be a really, but there'd be loads of people living on the property, so he would yeah. just be friendly with everybody. Yeah. yeah and so he'd okay. be like, oh, I'll bring the kids on a trip or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he noticed at some point that he got on a lot better on the road when there was a kid with him, because if he ever came to a. You know, if he needed to be put up for a night, oh, there'd always yeah, okay. be somebody that'd be doting over the four-year-old kid oh, okay, and would yeah. give him a room for the night because they wouldn't let the kids sleep in the car. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. So he pretty much used the kid to his advantage. And apparently that was what he was doing. That's why he had the kid for 13 months. Excuse <laughs> him. <laughs> yeah. And like, he apparently just liked the kid's company. It is weird that this woman would give this man permission to take her kid for a few days. Yeah. And then it not be thir- 13 months before. She's like, oh, yeah. Well, she, probably had, she probably had no idea how to find him though like, I suppose yeah, yeah can't check his email like no <laughs> like his he, credit card statements where he's like, he oh yeah name. bring him on a trip don't be gone for any more than four days and then yeah. 13 months go away like America's big country I don't know how to <laughs> yeah. find like how do you yeah. find them like but anyway so she came back and claimed and you know and she she claimed like she was said that I don't know what way she put it, but she was angry with this Walter Sky, obviously. Obviously, yeah. But was like also emphasizing he's not a kidnapper; he's a family friend. Like he's done nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah. Except that he forgot to bring the kid back. Yeah. But it kind of sounds like she might not have been the best mother anyway. Maybe the kid was better with him. Who knows? <laughs> um, but so and and they don't like they don't dismiss her. They're like, okay, right, we, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. The authorities yeah. are. We're going to bring you to the to the Dunbar's house, and we're going to bring them to you. I can't remember what they've done. We're going to bring all their kids, because like, Bobby's the oldest, but they're all not much between them. Yeah. Well, if there's five, there has to be at least nine months between each of them, I guess. Um, it's the start of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... No, but a four-year-old and a five-year-old standing next to each other. Yeah, yeah. But, so anyway, but yeah, so they're like, you're going to pick him out of a lineup, essentially. Yeah. And she didn't know which yeah. was meant to be her son. Because it had been 13 months. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and she didn't, well, actually, yeah, she didn't recognize Strip away. Then they brought the kids away and she, like, asked them, please, just show me them one more time. And then they brought them back out. And then she pointed them out and she's like, that's Bruce. Yeah. And so she's getting the second time, but still, they don't, they don't, they don't think that's enough. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh no, oh no, no, no. I've theories from what you've told me so far. So oh no, I'm, yeah, you go with the theory. Uh, I won't say, I won't confirm okay. or deny. <laughs> Is it possible Bruce was your man's first victim and Bobby was his second, and she thought he had the same kid all along, but maybe he had various children? No, sure. Like, <laughs> sorry, to put it really horribly, did this guy have a type? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And he just happened to look really alike. He's definitely somebody. This is definitely. Okay, yeah. See, I like, I like, I like where your mind's going. <laughs> um, the sick, twisted places my mind goes. Go on. Anyway. Well, like look at the stories we've come across. I know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. like the stories we, this, like the thing we just had. Yeah. Uh, so you're in a good place. But yeah, anyway, the main thing it wasn't just that Julie, Julia didn't recognize her kid at first that worked against her again. Feckin' media. Oh, uh, yeah. It was them that, like the, the Leo Frank story, the media decided this case because they just abolished her in the press. Like, they paid, they, they dug up so much dirt about her. They talked about, like, she had three other children. Oh, all out, Or she had three t- gender, children in total and they were all out of wedlock and that was bad. Oh, also, like, two of her kids are, had, had died. And so it was her fault, even though like that seems like yeah normal enough in the time. Like the health care wasn't exactly. No, no. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so all this stuff looked bad for her. And then they even like talked about how like she couldn't read and stuff. Yeah. 
and the fact that she didn't notice where her kid was for 13 months they just like painted this really bad image of her and oh yeah and then they even like got really gossipy about it where they were talking because they, they were like oh well there was she definitely had a son called bruce at some point and who knows yeah. where he is because god knows she wouldn't know because she let this guy take him for 13 yeah, yeah. months again. and then sorry your man i've forgotten his name the traveler himself what well, did he walters yeah what did he have to say all about this? Well, he was locked up for all of it, so he kind of press weren't getting to him. But they did have a theory about him. They they thought that he was actually Bruce's uncle. Yeah, and that's why I just can't remember the family relation. Well, I was saying she worked as a farmhand on his family's farm. Yeah, so I think the the their the sort of newspaper's gossip take on it was that she had slept with the father. Yeah, like, or whoever owned the farm or Bruce uh, okay, or Walter's yeah. brother or whatever did yeah, yeah. pretty much she'd gotten pregnant by her boss yeah, and she yeah. was just a simple farmhand woman and yeah, therefore yeah. that's why Bruce was kept a secret and that's why she was so your man taking the boy was probably convenient for yeah, yeah. the scandal of the family no, maybe but, it wasn't uh, Walter's idea to take him at all Yeah, but yeah. that was a complete like there's, no that's just something the papers just yeah. decided that was a theory the papers had this seems like I don't know if there was any basis or just like just something that's oh well, this is something that could have happened yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which I guess they're not wrong it could have <laughs> oh, but they found his body in December didn't they <laughs> <laughs> according to the New York Times so anyway um, and later the year the the courts pretty much they just they decide the boy is Bobby Dunbar and so he's given to the Dunbar family. Yeah. And the nineteen fourteen Walters, William Car or sorry, William Cantwell Waters, he's convicted of kidnapping kidnapping Bobby Dunbar. Yeah. And he ends up spending two years of he's sentenced to life. Yeah. He does two years and he appeals it. And he gets a lot of help with his appeal. He has a lot of witnesses coming forward to say, like, oh, no, this guy, no, that's he didn't kidnap that kid. Yeah. But they still want him convicted. Uh, but apparently, like, the state spent so much money <laughs> on just, like, deciding who Bobby Dunbar was <laughs> that they're really fed up with even pursuing Walters for kidnapping. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just because they don't want to pay for a retrial, they just yeah. dropped the case and he was released. That's mental. Yeah, but they don't. He's not. Again, he's he's not even. That's not even a pardon. <laughs> like never. Yeah. Never mind it being exonerated. But yeah, like so you can see, like that's a weird, weird case. Yeah, and there's a lot of the public called them out on it because the papers were covering it so much, and they're completely on Dunbar's the Dunbar family's side. Yeah, and I, I there was this woman that wrote to them and like pointed out that they never no paper and the dunbar's family never released a photo of bobby dunbar uh, of what he looked like before he disappeared yeah yeah so there was no way to compare the image images yeah and they just never did they, they kind of release no information in general general so nobody can make up their mind yeah um and they gave a lot of hassle to Julia Anderson for not recognizing the kid when she came down. Of course, which and that's fair. Like, of course, she, that is weird. Yeah, but so did exactly Mrs. Dunbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't sure if it was. But they ignore that, and I've I've read articles like there's no mention that the other family didn't uh, recognize. Now, I think that'd be really good. Like, I think that's at least two, three episodes of a miniseries there. Definitely. 
it'd be cool like that'd be really cool and i think that'd be the audience would really be shocked at the end for to see like the kids just sent with the Dunbar family yeah and it just <laughs> but i wouldn't end it at that i'd have that happen halfway through like the fourth episode yeah and people would be like wait what there's still like there's still 20 minutes left in this episode and i've seen on imdb there's another four episodes oh yeah but i think that'd be a really good way to end that and so it fades to black and then it fades back up again and you hear like i don't know you two or bon jovi whoever was picking 1999 on the radio okay and you're in 1999 and then it comes up 1999 wow yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you now. <laughs> so hang on, hang on. 1913 to 1999. Yeah. If, if this was a HBO miniseries, we're we're in 1999 now. Yeah. But now this is where the series get really cool because we wouldn't just be in. We'd intercut now between 99 and like 20s and 40s. Oh. <laughs> this is where it gets cool, right? So in 1999, Bobby Dunbar's granddaughter. Okay, <laughs> Margaret Dunbar, cut right. She, she she's grown up hearing like just something that it just comes up every now and again when she was younger. Like, oh yeah, she, your granddad went missing for a while. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. be like the family story, like yeah. And as she she gets getting a bit older, like she starts looking into it more. She's given this scrapbook by her her father, so Bobby Dunbar's son is. Bobby's still alive? No, no, he's dead. He died in, like, 1966, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. 60s, anyway. Yeah. But his son, and he, and his son is, like, an old man now, too, and I think he's even ill. He's been in hospital. Yeah. And it might be a case that maybe before he goes, he wants this resolved. Story resolved, so yeah. So he, he gives a scrapbook to his daughter that just has all the clippings from when the trial was going on. And she, so she starts, like, looking into the case again. And apparently against, like, a lot of family's wishes. Oh, yeah. She's even, it seems like she was kind of vilified <laughs> because of it. Yeah. So th- she's the detective in this. And then, like, to preface this, this um, a reporter called Kay McTina is the one who covered this story. Like, he, he met her yeah. while she was investigating it. And they wrote a book together called A Case, of, a Case for Solomon. And I'm blanking on the name. What's that show? It kind of relates to serial This American Life. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's he's a this, he's a journalist for that, and I think they might cover they might cover this aspect. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So she's looking looking into it, and she's she learns some really interesting things that just I had never even thought of. Like she tracks down the Anderson family, or at first she tracks down friends of the Anderson family. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're actually not in. I can't remember where they're living at this point. I've got it written down here somewhere because it's a really weird name. But anyway, wherever they're living at this point, like I talked about the, the Dunbar's, the, the family legend that they talk about that yeah, time yeah. their grandfather was kidnapped. In the a- Anderson family, they have the same family legend. Only it's about how their son, Bruce, or their great-grandfather, Bruce, was yeah. kidnapped and taken by this rich family called the Dunbars <laughs> in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, but through, through, through meeting the Anderson family, she finds out like completely different things okay. from back. Mainly the uh, the stuff about Julie Anderson herself. Well, firstly, right after she essentially couldn't afford 
to stay in Louisiana to prove that yeah. the kid was her. She had no so money. So she had to go. Yeah, so she had to go. And that's the only reason she couldn't stay. Like, I imagine she would have really wanted to get her kid back. Yeah, yeah. But literally, she would have starved. So she went back and worked. And then when the trial for Walters came up, she she came back down to, to defend him because she felt responsible or whatever. I don't know. Um, and it was while she was down there, because I, I mentioned, like, Walters had so many witnesses supporting him. Yeah. Because he was traveling all over Mississippi, and there was this place he visited a lot called Poplar's, Poplar, Poplarville, and something like 40 people from Poplarville, like, wrote sworn affidavits. That they never saw him with a kid? or Not that they never saw him, but that they... Because he did have the kid, and they saw him with him months before Bobby Dunbar ever went missing. That he was, oh, so he was known to be traveling with this kid. So it was most definitely Bruce. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but yeah, and we already know it still didn't work yeah. for him. But this is where the story kind of gets weird, and the things might have worked out like in a weird way, worked better for everybody. Because I mentioned like Julie Anderson was working as a farmhand, like she wasn't making much money. She had a pretty oh, lousy yeah. life. The fact that she sent her kid away and didn't even know where it was for 13 months. Like, yeah, yeah. But during the trial, she became really friendly with all these like people from Poplarville that knew Walters, that they sort of took yeah. her in. And she went, she moved to Poplarville with them, got a new job, ended up getting married. Yeah. Like, became, you know, um, you know, was a, a devout Christian and like, you know, it just became a member, a pillar of the community. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. With the really church person, and all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that she actually had a really good and happy life once yeah. she moved there. And it sounds like I didn't go into it, but it sounds like she had a miserable one up until that. Yeah, yeah. And the second media didn't help it, but also it turns out just from when the granddaughter is visiting the Anderson family and she's hearing stories of what Julia was like. Yeah, turns out she's a really smart woman. Oh, right. Because <laughs> the mean, news reports were, yeah, she couldn't write. Yeah, she used to read, like, Dickens to the kids and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, and she, like, really forced them to, to be, to, to follow an education in this. Like, she sounds like the complete opposite of what the papers told. Yeah. Um, so, it just, like, this is, the, the media are the ones that dictated this entire case, it yeah. seems. Just wanted to make sure I haven't missed anything. Well, she became a midwife. I didn't mention that. That's, I guess that's... I mean, dummies don't become midwives. No. So. so anyway, yeah. And she had a happy life. And apparently, like, she still talked regularly about her lost son, Bruce. That's what <laughs> like. Um, but still had a happy life. But going on. So about the, the time she was moving on with things, like, you know, by the 20s, she had a family, had, like, three children at this point. She went on to have even more. Meanwhile... Things might have, like, that case might have worked better for Bobby. This could be, like, the end of Gone, Baby Gone, spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where Bobby might have had a better life. I, I read this one thing, I can't remember who it was that said it, but somebody involved in the case, like, kind of just were t- was talking about how things might have worked better for Bobby or Bruce, whichever kid it was. If it was Bruce, the things yeah. might have turned out better for him, because he essentially traded a cart for a car. Which yeah, kind of yeah, sums yeah. it up because the Dunbars were a really wealthy family. Oh, they were, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that the, wasn't just speculation. No, well, yeah, no, they were like millionaires, maybe, but it seems like even the fact that the 
typically go on weeks week long fishing trips. Yeah, yeah. And apparently they were able to pay for pay for like huge billboards when the kid went missing and stuff. Oh, okay, like, so they were well off. Didn't they? Yeah, in fact, they had a car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But so he probably or at least should have had a better life because of that. But things kind of go to crap in the twenties. Les, uh, Lesie and Percy Dunbar his Bobby's parents get divorced and it's a really messy divorce um, and then the mother leaves so it's yeah. essentially the second time he's lost lost the mother if he's Bruce yeah yeah and even the father there's like stuff he, he beat and stabbed a man to death <laughs> yeah and I think he got off on it but it just that doesn't sound like a good no. upbringing either way there's this weird thing I haven't actually read the letter and apparently it says nothing for certain. It just alludes to some things. But the mother, Leslie, wrote a letter to her granddaughter to be read after her death. And it just says something. It's, I, I, I didn't even copy it because it's so vague. But it does have that weirdness. It sounds like she probably knew. 1932. Yeah. So well, Bobby Dunbar is probably well into his 20s now. He's a grown man. Yeah, yeah. Seeing a girl. So he's what, born in say, 1909, so yeah, yeah, he could be. Yeah, probably doesn't have a family yet. Well, he could, back in the day, like. But it's 1932, so the Lindbergh baby has been kidnapped. Oh, yeah. So there's huge interest in that case. Yeah. And some journalist decides, like, oh, Bobby Dunbar, that was the last. He was the famous kid that went missing last. And yeah. he was found, we'll, we'll go interview him. Yeah. And so he's had a two decades to think about this now but when he was four when it happened memories are fuzzy yeah and he's talking he's just talking in general terms about how how weird it is that a lot of people still think that he might be an imposter that, oh, okay yeah you know he's actually dead in a swamp somewhere that the real bobby dunbar is dead yeah and then he just like rants and drifts off and he starts telling this vague memory of the other boy in the wagon Ah, and he's this memory that he remembers another child being there. Yeah, and he fell off the wagon one day and hit his head. Yeah, and then the man buried him, and then it was a while after that they were arrested, and he's got no, he can't comment on any more of that because he, it's like the vaguest, foggiest memories. You're could be a dream, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been something he read in the papers that he's mistaken as a memory. Like, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like it's a memory. <laughs> wow. I like when I read that I was like, oh, maybe Walters did kidnap somebody like So that's kinda like what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just didn't want to Yeah, yeah. I said I wasn't gonna confirm or deny. Yeah, yeah. But you don't know which one's which. And it goes on in the nineteen forties there's this guy Hollis Anderson. Um he's a he's a son or sorry, what is it? Yeah, he's the son of uh Julia Anderson. Yeah, and he's working away in a shop one day, and he just sees this man standing at the counter. <laughs> yeah, and he just goes up to him, and the guy just makes this random small talk with him. And Hollis is really busy, like kind of half paying attention. Why is this guy just talking to me? Yeah. And he's dealing with another customer, and then he hears the guy that he's just talking to say, "Oh, I'm Bobby Dunbar," and then yeah. he like, stops like, because and he he knows Bobby Dunbar is the guy that is meant to be his brother. Oh yeah, and yes, and again, he's he talks about how he was looking for him for twenty years. Again, you can Google somebody. Yeah, heard yeah, of about course, this yeah. happening before he was ever born, and he had a brother, half brother, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. So he and he hears him introduce 
um, as Bobby Dunbar yeah. and then he just leaves oh so he doesn't get a chance to yeah he doesn't even realize yeah. <laughs> really mo- that's a real movie scene yeah yeah <laughs> that is great and he's not like use the spinning image of me <laughs> but I'll, I'll exaggerate it further where he like you know he runs out then to try and follow him and he's already gone like it's just a crowd of people walking by yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing like when I, I i like big this up as being like true detective i i mean it when i say an earnest version <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but you could add in like a yeah. cop well, and then bobby dunbar dies in the 60s i think you mentioned that but he's survived by a wife and four children and one of them is robert dunbar and he's the one who handed down the scrapbook to his daughter. Yeah. And so he's close to death at this point. Well, maybe not close. That might be <laughs> boldly assuming he's close to death. Yeah, he's on. But well. in 2004, he's been in hospital anyway, and he just decides, he writes a letter to his daughter saying, like, ah, look, I think we can just, we need to, like, just solve this once and for all, like, and he wants to do a DNA test. Yeah. How they actually do the DNA test in the end is, that, yeah, well, I think they take actually Robert's, yeah, Robert's DNA and match it against... And Anderson. No, he's... Yeah, because they're not really in contact. The woman we've been talking about, yeah. Margot, she tests her DNA against her, her cousin. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was totally confused by that thing. Um, and I, I'm not sure if I... I no, I no, but I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Really, yeah. And, yeah, and so... <laughs> such a man filled up. Yeah, and they don't match, of course. We, we knew okay, that's yeah. where it was coming. And so... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh... They don't actually match it again. I don't think at any point do they match the DNA to a member of the actual Anderson family. But either oh, they don't try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I I think they're just actually not in contact with them enough to. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I think it's pretty like do they do they need to like <laughs> well could have been a third boy. Yeah. <laughs> like I would say. And Walters was always travelling with a boy. I, I don't know if you can find that. I think only in Dexter could you find that many children that look alike. But, yeah, so, it, it's the, the ending is in 2004, where it was all essentially the media's fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it comes across that, so Bobby wasn't Bobby after all. And the big question then is what happened to Bobby Dunbar? The real Bobby, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So like it, it brings up so much speculation because it could be like, did oh you know like, this is where we start making up stuff to actually make turn it into a season of True Detective. No, but like I I like I would have thought like uh did he go missing or did the parents like accidentally kill him and then this other kid showed up and they're like oh he's alive. It's a really or, good way to get the heat off you. Yeah. If the like if there's still a kid there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There is no murder without a body. You know. That's what I kind of thought. Like. But then I do like the story that maybe he just got lost in the woods and then an alligator just hit him somewhere. No, and then just traveling through the woods is Walters and he goes, oh, hey, kid, you want to lift? And then travels yeah. with them for a while. And then one of the kids, we're not sure which one, drops. But now we know from the DNA that it pulls. And because like people, oh, descendants are still alive, so don't want to like insult anybody. Yeah, yeah, and the Walters guy got off. But for the purpose of a story, and just because there is that just that other boy in the wagon thing, I do like to think that that's, you know, everything sort of seems like it's wrapped up, and that's where you have, like, yeah, Rust and True Detective, like, puts it together, that there was another boy in the wagon, that maybe after all... Because that's such a, like, that's a great way to, like, round up that mystery of just suddenly, there was another, another boy in the wagon. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, that's the answer. Somebody does, yeah. Yeah. 
But it's so funny that the answer comes from a 20-something-year-old remembering a vague memory from when he was a baby. Yeah, yeah. In 1913. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess it's... And then, going back to media, did they actually interview <laughs> that's true <laughs> although maybe by the 30s you uh, might yeah, have had the, to they, might have, they might have been a bit more uh, reputable for who, oh, who knows though yeah <laughs> I mean I have saw stuff about the Limburg baby so they, they seem to have made a mess of covering that too so oh, yeah. no reason to assume a random interview they done during it was was done accurately yeah <laughs> uh, you know great story so as you were saying it may not be, may or may not be a murder story. Yeah, know. there might have been somebody murdered. Probably not. Like, probably realistically, the kid probably just got eaten by an alligator. Yeah. And Bruce Anderson or Bobby Tumper. I don't. I, yeah. What? I, I wonder what what name. That'd be so weird. Like you're his, you're his granddaughter. You find out he was Bruce Anderson all along. Yeah. Do you change your name? Are you like, oh, I'm, I'm an Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> like that's such an odd yeah okay. how much would you resent your like parents or grandparents for because you they knew they knew they had to have known that kid wasn't it yeah but it's, I, I still keep going back to like what you were saying is how they just attacked the Julie Anderson the, yeah Julie Anderson like, see that's really weird cause... and not you know, Mrs Dunbar and that like she was given a second chance she was laid like take him home and try him out for yeah. a while <laughs> well I guess it's because they had because again I suppose it's... they had a family home and a couple of kids and, and the... it was the safer option I suppose that plus the fact that you got to think of it in terms of America's so huge each state's like a different country especially yeah, yeah. Leo... especially back then when people were so separated well to they... us here it'd be like somebody coming over from like exactly yeah. England or Scotland kind of going oh that's my kid and, and it'd have you... been a family that we've been seeing appearing in the Irish Times for the last eight months. Yeah. And everybody's with them. Yeah, yeah. So I can kind of not understand why the media would turn against Julia Anderson so quickly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I can understand why they had the local family's side. Oh, yeah. But the way they turned on that poor woman who yeah. clearly was right all the time. Yeah, I guess she it's... She just ended up going you had a tough life. Mm. And then she kind of found a way to get her life together and stuff. I guess it's not really a, a true detective season though. Now that I say it out loud, but I think it's got the it's got the style anyway. Oh yeah, it does. There's just not enough. Like, I mean, there won't be a gunshot fired in the entire series. But I think that's there's cool. need to be. Yeah. Well, I think why True Detective works is that it's such a cop show. Well, that's yeah. True Detective is such a good name. Yeah. yeah. Whereas oh. this one, it, like, <laughs> there's no cop in it. <laughs> no. But um, I do, I do love I love your idea of like the the night no, jump to nineteen ninety nine. And it's like the, his granddaughter then trying to find yeah. out. The, the fact that you would spend three episodes in the 1910s. Yeah. And then there's a jump to 1999. And then you go back and forth. And then you go back the, to like the 20s, 30s and 40s. Yeah. I think that'd be a really cool way to tell a story. You'd have that Louisiana backdrop at least. like so. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Just be a true detective ripoff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised your man, the journalist who helped the granddaughter, you were saying he, he works on This American Life. Surprised he hasn't yeah. tried to do something more of it. Well, I think they wrote a book about. No, yeah. I don't think they. Like, or they wrote a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, having a clue. Uh, like I could have easily got that piece of information. I just never thought to write it down. No, it's I cool. mean, I mean, was it before the DNA tests, 
before, was it? Oh no, I think after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that I think it was around oh four or five, like directly after. I think yeah, this yeah. American Life thing. Cause I found it all this out sadly very late. <laughs> but I think the This American Life thing was like two thousand and eight. Yeah. I don't think This American Life was even a podcast at the time. Oh, okay. It's still, yeah. a, just a radio. Obviously, it's you can yeah. probably find it on podcast now. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. Good. I know news as it was. This week in 1913. Yeah. I've been Shane. I've been Johnny. We'll see you in the future. You mean the past.